Welcome to the Southbridge Church Podcast, where our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. We're thrilled that you are here, and it's our hope that this message will lead you to find and follow Jesus. Well, we're glad that you're here. Take your Bible, if you have one, to the book of Mark, chapter number four. Mark, chapter number four. Today, we'll be finishing up a series that we started several weeks ago. A series entitled All In. And the, the big idea in this series is that going all in is really just all about surrender. And so we've been looking at that one word of surrender. And surrender is like a domino. Once you knock over the first one, everything else in your life will fall into place. So this morning, you and I, we live in a busy and burdened world. We're pressed and we're pressured. To keep up with life's demands, we find ourselves running at an unsustainable pace. And if that's you, I pray that this morning's message will be a help to you. And so with the Bible open to Mark chapter number four, I won't ask you to stand this morning. You've been standing quite a bit, and let's give our legs just a rest. But Mark chapter number four, I want to begin reading verse number 35. It'll be up on the screen, or if you'd like a copy of the Bible, there's Multiple copies that we'd love to give you as a gift from Southridge Church. But let's begin reading in Mark 4, verse number 35. It says this. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He then arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Storms will not ruin your faith, but they will reveal your faith. I feel too often that when a Christian goes through a storm or a trial or a difficulty, that's what we're most afraid of is that this storm is going to ruin our faith, that I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through, and will I still believe in God on the other side of this? Will I still have a relationship with him? Because what I'm going through is so difficult, it's so hard, it's so overwhelming, I don't know if I can make it. But what we need to know this morning is that the storms do not ruin our faith. They just reveal what is there. You see, when faith rises, fear falls. But when faith falls. And fear is simply us trying and fighting for control and failing. And this morning, I want us to look at the fact that here is Jesus sound asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. I mean, isn't that incredible? 
How many of this morning you can pretty much sleep through anything? Let me see your hand. You, you could just fall asleep through anything. It doesn't take much. There we go. There's a few of you. How many of you, uh, you wake up at the slightest sound, anything? You're, you're a light sleeper. Oh, we got a lot of light sleepers around here. Okay, all right. A lot more light sleepers than deep sleepers. I used to be a really deep sleeper. For whatever reason now, it just, it just wake up and it did, things have switched. My wife, I've told the story before. We had our previous home. We bought it. What, what do you hear? And Tony, no lie, she says this. She says, I hear a raccoon drinking out of our kid's pool. I said, you don't hear a raccoon and the specificity of the details. I mean, we're in bed. It wasn't like she got out of bed, opened the windows and sees a raccoon. She literally in the middle of the night is like, it's a raccoon. I was like, are you kidding me? This is the dumbest thing. But I'm a guy and I want to see a raccoon drink it out of a pool. So, of course, I go outside and want to inspect and see. And sure enough, there's a raccoon drinking out of my pool. So... I was like, okay, do I shoot it with my shotgun? I was like, no, that's just going to be messy. So I'm going to throw whatever's near me. I'm just going to chuck something at it. So I don't know what was near me in the middle of the night, so I chucked something at it, and I was like, okay, that's, that's the end of it. The next morning we came out. Our kid's pool was thrashed to bits. That raccoon remembered. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to throw something at me? He tore up our pool. My wife is a light sleeper. I'm a deeper sleeper. But it's amazing that Jesus can sleep in a storm. But that speaks to something else, doesn't it? It speaks to the peace that resided inside of Jesus. That peace that you and I have to take a little melatonin to help us sleep. Or something a little bit stronger than melatonin. It's that peace that doesn't need anything to help it cope to get the rest. It doesn't wake up. Jesus didn't even wake up when there's a storm crossing the Sea of Galilee. He's asleep. And so I'm amazed and I have to ask myself the question, how is it that Jesus can sleep in the storm? But then we realize he's Jesus. He could do whatever he wants, right? So the better question is this. How can you and I sleep in a storm? Don't you want to get there? Where that you and I can go through a storm where all hell can be breaking loose in our life and yet we can still be calm, cool, and collected. That no matter what's going on, that we still have that peace of God. That's what we want. That's what we claim to have. But yet you probably are like me that will have anxious nights we toss and we turn because our mind is overwhelmed with everything we've got going on. And sleep eludes us. So how do we get that sleep in the storm? Well, quite simply, it starts with surrender. We've got to surrender to something greater, but there's some roadblocks to our surrender. And the disciples, they kind of clue us in on it. Go back, if you would, to verse 38. It's the disciples because they notice that Jesus is asleep, and he found a pillow, no less. I don't know how many people bring a pillow on a fishing boat, but Jesus made sure that there was a pillow, and he's asleep. And the Bible says that they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care? I think some of us have that same reaction to God, if we're honest. God, do you not care what's going on right now? Do you not see Aren't you supposed to be all-seeing, all-knowing? 
Do you realize what I'm going through? Because that's what the disciples are doing right now. The disciples are feeling abandoned. And if you're feeling abandoned, I need you to know this truth. Feelings of abandonment doesn't mean Jesus is absent. Because Jesus is still with them in the boat. But they were feeling something that he wasn't. This morning, I need to remind you that Jesus is present even if you sense him or not. He's still there. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff. They care for me. They're there. They're with me. And so this morning, we have to realize that Jesus, he's there. But what's interesting is they don't ask Jesus to fix anything. They don't say, hey, Jesus, snap your finger. Not really. I mean, there's all kinds of things. The flat tire, it's not that you have a flat tire. It's how the flat tire makes you feel. Oh, I'm late for work. This is an inconvenience. It's just a flat tire, but it's how it makes you feel. That's the big deal. You see, the feelings you bring into circumstances will make those circumstances better or worse. It's all about your feelings. Because I've met people who have gone through broken relationships, gone through disease, gone through poverty, and yet they're the most joyful, delightful, upbeat, encouraging people. And you're like, how is that possible? It is possible. Because they found a peace that is deeper. Because they realized that even though they're feeling abandoned, it doesn't mean that Jesus is absent. So how do you live in harmony with, hap- with what's happening around you? It starts with surrendering control. You see, it's interesting that Jesus, in the very next verse, then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and he says, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But notice something. He says to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then they feared exceedingly. What? What? The storm's over. Why are they still afraid? The storm is past. You see, some of you think that if your circumstances will fix, what's fixed on the outside will fix what's on the inside. I'm telling you, it's not the case. Things can be going good on the outside and not good on the inside. And what Jesus is more focused on is what's going on on the inside, not what's going on on the outside. Jesus cares more about your heart condition than anything going or happening around you. It all starts here with the heart. And so Jesus is getting to the heart issue. And so many Christians come to church because we're a people that we are suckers for anybody who pretends to have the answers. And we just, I just need the answers to fix this, buy this, and do this, whatever it takes. There used to be the late night infomercials, and we just sit there and watch them. And then you're like, oh man, so that's what I need. I need the flow beat. I don't need to be taking my kids to get a haircut. I can attach a basically a pair of scissors that we shear sheep with, plug it into my vacuum, and I could cut my kids' hair. Let's get it. That's what I need. Oh, no, no. I need that knife that can slice them, dice them, puree them, and do everything. And I, that's what I need. Oh, no, no, no. I need the food dehydrator. That's what I need. That'll fix everything. That's where my weight problems are coming from. I need to dehydrate all my food. That's it. Oh, I need that weighted blanket. Yes, if I just buy that really nifty weighted blanket. No, I need the ShamWow. Oh, I could go on and on and on. All the products. Come on. We are suckers for anybody that we think has the answers. 
And so here, we just want this temporary fix, but there can be calm around you and still chaos inside you. You see, because what's going on around you is not your greatest problem. It's what's going on within you. You see, controlling what's going on around you won't fix what's going on within you. There was a little boy. He got in trouble. And his mother said, son, sit down. Put his arms together and said, no. And the mom very sternly said, son, sit down. Little boy walks over. Sits down. And then he looks at his mom and says, mom, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. I think that's many of us, isn't it? Life is forcing us to sit down, and we're like, oh, I'll show you. I'm standing on the inside. It's a heart issue. And what God wants us to get to the point is where we surrender to him. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God, to which also you are called in one body. It uses a word here. It uses the word rule. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and be thankful. The word rule means to yield, to submit, or to surrender. This morning, you and I, if we want this peace that passes understanding, this peace that allows us to be able to sleep in any storm, it's because we need to surrender to the peace of God. Some of us are actually resisting the peace of God. Can you imagine that? That God's peace, he's trying to get it to you. And we're the ones like, no, I'll figure it out on my own. I'll do this on my own. And God is saying, why are you running from this? You see, you are wrestling and not resting. You are striving and struggling and not surrendering. And we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Let's play a little game this morning. Best case, worst case. You ever do this? Best case scenario, worst case scenario. Now, this applies if you are a born-again child of God. This means you've given your life to Christ. This is, this is the game, okay? We're going to play best case, worst case scenario, okay? In your life, here is the best case scenario, is that you live for a while, you die, and you go to heaven. That's the best case, honestly. If you're a child of God, that's the best case, okay? Best case scenario. Now, let's invert it, and let's go worst case scenario. Worst case scenario for a child of God is that you live for a while, you die, and you go to heaven, They're the same. Why are we so frustrated in this life? Your best case and your worst case are still the same. You say, oh, you didn't talk about divorce. You didn't talk about disease. You didn't talk about this. No, no, you're missing the point. At the end of this life, there's so much more life. You see, you don't understand. You and I, we're going to get, what, maybe 80 years? Some of you are really healthy and you eat kale, so you're going to get like 81 I don't know if it's worth it. I'm still trying to figure it out. Is it worth it to eat healthy? Is it worth I keep joking. I go to the gym. I eat healthy. I'm going to get hit by a bus. I just know it. I know it. All the work, the cold bath, all of it. And it's just a bus. Wham! VTA, road rage. Just Mukai's gone. But at the end of the day, you can't threaten me with heaven. And yet, this is what Jesus was talking about. You worry much. You labor, you toil. Look at the flowers of the field. I tell you this, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as beautiful as one of these. 
Look at the birds of the sky. God takes care of the birds. Not a little one falls without his notice. God is saying, look at the ground where the flowers are and look at the sky. He's saying, all of it, I got it all under control. But yet you and I are in this wrestling match and we are honestly thinking we could do better at life than God can. And so we hold on to control. I know how it is. I play video games and Angel was kind of making fun of me a little bit this week. He was like, you're the only grown man I know who still plays Fortnite. And I just own it. I'm like, yeah, I like Fortnite. What of it, okay? Me and all the other little junior hires, we have fun playing Fortnite, okay? Little kids game, it's fun. And uh, so what will happen is I'll play with my two boys and we're playing Fortnite. And they'll be like, dad, give me the controller, quick. I can beat this guy. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And I don't give it to him fast enough. They're like, ah, you killed us. It's all your fault. I'm like, well, we're not really dead. I mean, our pixels are dead, but we're not dead. We're fine. No, you ruined my day. This is over. I'm going to go play basketball. And it's so funny because we do this to God. We're like, God, I can do this thing better than you. And God's like, but I'm God. I thought I could create stuff out of nothing. I thought I could take a storm and make it calm. Maybe I didn't do that. We are wrestling control from God instead of resting in God. Instead of just surrendering and saying, God, I'm not being just passive or negligent. I'm just going to rest here in your goodness and in your grace. And I understand that I may feel abandoned, but you are not absent, God. But then the same verse, verse 38, they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And a question mark. They're asking God a question. Does Jesus answer their question? No. He doesn't answer their question. The Bible just says he stands up and then he rebukes the wind and the waves. He doesn't answer their question. They said, don't you care? And Jesus is like, yes, I care. Are you kidding me? My wife never does this, but growing up, my mom would always say, you guys don't know how much I care for you. I cook and I clean and I slave away for you. And this is what I get on Mother's Day. A crappy homemade card. That's it. Do you know how much I care? Do you know how big you were? Do you know how big? And, 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 and anyway, we won't go into details. <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't say, don't you guys realize, please? Don't you know how much I care? I want to show you how much I care. He doesn't do that. And Jesus knows that that's not what your greatest need. And they wanted an answer. And you and I have to get to the point where we accept that Jesus may not give us an answer. You see, our questions are a subtle attempt to get God to surrender control. That's really what it is. You ever heard the term a leading question? Lawyers do it all the time in a courtroom. It's a leading question. It's to lead you to the answer that they want. We do the same thing with God. God, why is it that bad things happen to good people? You hear that one a lot, don't you? Especially, it's amazing. We always hear that from people who are atheists or agnostics. I don't hear a lot of Christians use it. Because they are trying to suppose or they are trying to uh, put something on God that's not on him. Because you and I think God may not be just. 
and that he may not be wanting to take care of things, but we don't understand how God works and how, God, how God's ways are. He even says in Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Justice will happen. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever men soweth, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. We will reap. There is coming a day. And yet we think that, no, God, you're turning a blind eye. Why? Why aren't you doing this? And it stems from a movement that many of us are familiar with in the 60s. It said, question authority. And Christians, we sadly fall for the same trap where we want to question God. Now, let me say something, and I love it. I was reading a book this week by a pastor, Kerry Schmidt, and he said this in his book, Live Lighter, Love Better. Your freedom to question God is not a right, but a gift of his grace. God is not obligated to accept or answer your questions. Let that sink in for a moment, church. Because even Jesus said, my God, my God, why persecutest thou me? And did God tear back the firmament and speak to his son? How many Christians we feel entitled to an answer? And maybe this morning God is saying, you need to surrender that. You need to say, God, I I may not understand this side of heaven, So I need to surrender that because that is a weight that I've been carrying around for too long. Why did the person leave me? Why did they abuse me? Why did I get fired? Why, 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 why? And this morning, God, all the whys, I'm bringing them to you and I'm laying them at your feet. I surrender to it. I can't carry that. I can't go forward into the future that you have for me if I'm bogged down by this. So I need to accept and my acceptance is really my surrendering to you. And in that moment, we see something powerful that happens. You see, Jesus, he steps up and he says something to the waves. In the Greek, the word peace, what Jesus is saying is actually the noun siope, which means the sea must be silent and mute. Be still in the Greek is also another amazing word. It means to muzzle and silence and to cause to be speechless. Have you ever heard the term that the sea swallowed them. Jesus is saying, no, 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 be silent, be mute. Shut your mouth, sea. I'm gonna close it. But it took Jesus no effort, no exertion, no nothing to just calm the waves. And this morning, as we are struggling, let's come back to this fact that Jesus, no, I'm gonna rest in you. But the disciples are like us, And they're struggling because they think Jesus' lack of action might have something to do with his lack of ability because that's what it is for us. Sometimes our lack of action really comes down to our lack of ability. We would if we could. I just don't know how. So how am I supposed to make a difference? But here, understand that Jesus' lack of action has nothing to do with his lack of ability because they cry out to Jesus and they doubt him and they depend on him all in one verse. Isaiah 59.1 says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. 
understand that Jesus is here. We gloss over something in this passage. It's found in verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And we missed this part in verse 36. Let's put it up on the screen. And it says, and other little boats were also with them. Why didn't the disciples say, Jesus, wake up, wake up, wake up. You see all these boats? We're all about to be like the Titanic and we're going down. And there's no table for Caparo to, to uh, you know, and so we got, we, got to, we got to make sure we could do something. Come on, wake up. Did they even mention those other boats? What did they say? Hey, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? You know, you're 11, 12, your boys, you're ride or die, you're going to take care of us, right? Like if anybody, and, and sometimes as Christians, we're kind of like, Jesus, you love me more than you love other people in San Jose. So come on, help a brother out. Help a sister out. And we totally neglect all the other people. Understand that Jesus didn't just calm the storm for them and their boat. He calmed it for all the other boats. Jesus is doing something that you may not see. You may not see that he's actually using your situation to bring about peace in other people's lives and other people's circumstances. And so understand, Jesus is here. Not only is Jesus here, but he hears you. You ever done that when somebody's asleep? Wake up! Wake up! As parents, you're used to having a child in the middle of the night not say anything but just be there next to you, just staring. It's creepy. It's good that you don't have those quick reflexes. You're like, bam! Oh, man, sorry, sorry. Whew. Don't do that, child. Don't do that. Mama's quick with those ninja skills in the middle of the night. But Jesus hears Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me all and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jesus is here, he hears, but then Jesus will help you. I love Psalms 34, 19. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Are you righteous? You're gonna have a lot of afflictions. Say, I want an encouraging message. This is encouraging. My goodness, I needed it. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. God will deliver you. That's the difference that we have, is that we can trust that he will deliver us, whatever we're experiencing, whatever we're going through. You see, Jesus is not just present in this situation, he's also powerful in this situation. But they weren't gonna get to see his power unless they were in the storm. Some of us wanna see the miraculous, but we wanna keep living a mundane life. And God's like, no, 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 those two don't coincide. I was uh, hanging out with Carlos and Laura yesterday and Jane went to this conference and a person was speaking about California and he was like, man, California's dark. California's bad. It's got problems. And this guy's amazing. His name's Nick Wojciechek. He was born with no arms, no legs. And yet he's just an inspirational. He's inspiring, just amazing. And then he said something. I had to write it down. He says, when it gets so dark, that's when the miracles happen. And I was like, he's right. It's when you get to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is behind you and there's mountains on either side, that's when God parts the water. 
It's when you get to the Jordan River and God told you to get to the other side to conquer Jericho and God is gonna wait till the garments of the priests are dipped in the Jordan. That's when he's gonna part it. God waits till the crowd of 5,000 men are there and they're hungry and that's when he provides the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. It's after three, four days of Lazarus being in the tomb that that's when Jesus shows up and says, Lazarus, come forth. You see, Jesus is trying to teach you and I that it doesn't mean when man says it's over, it's not over. Because God is not only present, but he's powerful. But you and I won't see his power if we are missing out on the fact that God's got to work when we want him to. And God is saying, no, I'm present here. I'm going to do something great. My friend, stop telling God there's a storm. And start telling your storm that there's a God. Because we're all going to go through a storm. We're all going to go through the difficulties. And it's time that we say, storm, go ahead and rage. Go ahead and try to take my family. Go ahead and try to take my marriage. Go ahead and try to take my career, my job. Go ahead and try to take it all. But there is a God you must contend with. And there is a God who loves me. And there's a God who sent Jesus who had infinite value and he came to this earth and he took something that he created and he espoused worth to that creation. The psalmist accurately said, we are dust. How many of you go out to your backyard and get a jar and say, this dirt is worth a lot, man. We got to start saving this dirt. Who knows? I don't do that. I don't have jars of dirt piled up. But God looked at us and said, I will die for that dirt. I'll give everything for that dirt. I'll trade the most valuable thing I have. And the most valuable thing he had was his son. And so this morning, When life feels like it's totally out of control, when you feel like the storms are assaulting you, you can rest assured that Jesus cares and he's in control. There are some people who have control, but they don't care. There are other people that they care, but don't have control. But Jesus, he cares. And he has all power. All of it. So how much power does the enemy have? None. Because Jesus took it all. He's got it. If God be for us, who can be against us? And the church should resoundly scream, nothing, no one, no way, no how. But the church is, worried about Jesus. Wake up, wake up. Come on. It's inflation. Gas is expensive. I need a date. I don't want to be single. I need a house. those Nikes. I need those J's. I can't wait in this line. Kevin can wait in the line, but I can't wait in this line. Give me some J's. 
Lord, I need this economy to fix around. God, I need this politician to make it. Please, 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 please. And Jesus is stepping back saying, I am the master. I'm the controller. I made you. I made this situation. I made this time. And God says, I'm so in control. And I need you to surrender to me. I need you to trust me. I need you to stop wrestling and stop fighting so that you could see me work. So you could see me do something. You see, my friend, you are God's masterpiece. Designed by the master of peace. And it's time we come back to that. That in the middle of all the chaos. So if we are struggling now. And if we need to pop Xanax. And if we need to drink Valium. And if we need to get wasted just to survive. How are we going to make it as Christians? I'm not talking to people who aren't Christians. I'm saying as Christians, we are coping and we have all our coping mechanisms and it's because we don't know how powerful our God is. Now, don't hear me say, oh, pastor said, get rid of all my medications. Okay, next Sunday, I'm bringing all my pills, gonna put them up here on the altar. God, here's all my pills. We need no more crazy people in the church. You have me, you don't need other crazy people. All right, take your meds. Stay on your meds. Please. But can I say this? Some of us don't know that we could actually function without them. Some of us don't know that we could actually make it through life without some of the things that we think we really need. Because our God can help us. You think you need that job? You, You think you really need all those accoutrements of that life? God is trying to show you that he can do so much more. Scripture says, if you ran with the footmen and they wearied you, how are you going to run with the horses? The church is supposed to be ushering in the kingdom of God. I heard Nick say yesterday, and I thought it was so good. He says, it gets hot when you're at the gates of hell redirecting traffic. And I was like, so good because that's what we're doing but the church is like whoo too hot here let me go somewhere else let me go to Texas where they got a bunch of churches it's not as hard over here everybody's a Christian in Texas even if they ain't Christians they say they're Christians no no no, no. I want to stand at the gates of hell be like hey hey, you don't want to go here come on let's go over there yeah they're going to take some shots yeah they're going to call you some names It's time the church realizes that, yes, I'm getting in a boat in this storm, and go ahead. Look what they did to Jesus. I'm ready for it. Because I got a peace that passes all understanding. My heart is unassailable. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. There's no turning back. My mind is made up. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. There's nothing left. I'm fully surrendered. I'm all out, all in for the all in all. And when the church gets that, you will find that there's a culture that steps back and is like, wow, the church has awoken. The church is powerful again. And so that's what we want to see.
And we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Father, we thank you that there is a peace that passes all understanding, that you will guard and guide our hearts. Help us, Father, to be ones that are drawn to peace and pursue peace and to know that you are the God of peace. But for my dear brothers and sisters who are living in pieces, not in peace this morning, help their hearts. Help them to know that as they surrender control, they find the security that comes from surrender. The true and only real security. Because you are present and you are powerful, God. And you allow us to go through the storm so that we can see your presence and see your power. Thank you that our church gets to stand at the gates of hell and redirect traffic and put people back on that narrow path that leads to life everlasting. With heads bowed and eyes closed, this week, Angel and I met with a young man who says he was born in chaos. My heart broke for him, for his struggle. But he's not alone. There are so many people today that they struggle with mental health. They struggle with the ability to surrender they live with chronic anxiety and depression and suicide. And maybe that's you this morning. Can I pray for you? Can your church lift you up in prayer that God will give you peace? Is that you? Can we pray for you? Anybody like that? I see that hand. Amen. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? Amen. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand in the back. I see the other hand. I see that hand. Oh, hands up all over. Oh, amen. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. You may put your hands down. We want you to know you don't walk alone through that trial. That there is a God who loves you, whose peace passes all understanding. No matter what we go through, he knows, he sees, he cares, and he controls. Father God, you see these hands. My heart can go out to them. But Father, like a mighty moving of your spirit, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, may they be washed over with the prevailing peace of God. May they exhale anxiety and inhale the breath of God. Your peace, your presence, and your power, may it overwhelm them in this place. Oh, we rebuke anything that the enemy has planned for them. Any of his demonic forces, we rebuke them in Jesus' name. And by his blood, we plead the blood of Jesus that they are covered, that there is no weapon that is formed against them shall prosper, Father. And we claim your word over them, that there has been a more sure word that has been spoken, that you call us the head and not the tail, that you have planned good for them and not evil. And Father, we plead these things, we beg these things over them, and we pray that their lives would not be cut short as we see an epidemic of suicides. And Father, we pray that we would turn the tide and we'd see more people saved, more people have peace and surrender in these dark times. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.
Thank you so much for being at church today. We invite you to come back. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If this message inspired you and helped you, we would love for you to hit like, subscribe, or share it with someone today. Until next time, have a great day.